Praise God. Praise God. Welcome to Genesis 1 Christian Ministries. And praise God as we celebrate another Resurrection Sunday. Amen. Amen. This is the first Resurrection Sunday that we've celebrated like this, uh, not being in the sanctuary and not fellowshipping in person one with the other. But these are extraordinary times, so we must figure out ways to continue worshiping God uh, in other ways. Okay, We can't be stymied simply because of the fact that we can't get in to our church buildings. Resurrection Sunday hasn't changed any. Our love for the Lord hasn't changed any. So therefore, we should continue moving forward in worshiping him. While we don't know exactly how long we will not be gathering in our church buildings, and I'm believing it will be soon, however, we do know that we don't need a building to worship God. Therefore, we want to conduct our church services in a manner as close as possible to the way that services are held in our sanctuary. Our church services start at 10.30 a.m. on Sunday morning. So while I record these sermons on Saturday so that you will have the sermon in time for Sunday morning worship, we start listening to the sermon in my house at 10.30 on Sunday, just as though we were in church. We, we, we hold church in the house at 10.30, just like we were in the physical building. It is important for us Christians to establish some consistency in quote-unquote going to church at home, the same way you do when you go to church in a church building. Therefore, what we should be doing during this time is we should try to set a time to go to church at home the same way you did before. If church started in the physical building at 10 a.m. or 10.30 or 11 a.m., if that's the time that it started in the building, you should start church at home at the same time, every single Sunday. Have home church as regularly as you would if you were going to outside church. This builds some consistency uh, in your, your Christian life, in your worship life, as we continue in this time. Wherever you are, you should be able to worship and hear the Word of God with, with as much uh, enthusiasm as you would if you were in your sanctuary, if you're in a church-building sanctuary. Therefore, before getting into today's sermon, before we start the message for today, let's spend some time praising and worshiping God in song. And let's ask Holy Spirit to join us wherever you are in your home. Praise God. Would you just raise your hands one more time toward heaven? And listen now. Let's just begin to worship Him all over this building in the overflow. We're going to pray for every one of you that desire prayer tonight. Same anointing in here is flowing into that room right now. Just begin to worship Him now. Just for a few moments, let's entertain His presence. Let's worship Him right now. Just give Him glory. Close your eyes and lift your hands. Tell Him in your own way how much you love Him. Tell Him in your own way what He means to you. We worship You, Jesus. We worship You, Jesus. We worship You, Jesus. Precious Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. I sing praises to your name. Yes, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Praises to your name. Oh, thank you, God. Hallelujah. Oh, Lord. Oh, 
God in the highest. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus.
Praise God. Praise God. Praise the living God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, O Lord God, we thank you for this time that we have to worship with you today, O Lord God, to worship you and to praise thy most glorious name. We thank you, Lord God, for another beautiful day of life. This is a day that you have made and we shall rejoice and be oh so glad in it, O Lord. On this Resurrection Sunday, O Lord God, we come before you with thanksgiving in our hearts, O Lord, for to thank you for all of the manifold blessings that you've poured out into our lives. But first and foremost, O Lord God, to thank you for the cross on Calvary, Lord. We thank you, Heavenly Father, for giving your only begotten Son that we may have life and have life eternal, O Lord, in the name of Jesus. Lord God, we pray that as we hear this message today, O Lord, we pray that you, Holy Spirit, Lord Jesus, will be here in our midst to touch us and speak to us in your own special way. Heavenly Father, you, only you, know the needs and the desires for every single believer that would be listening to this message, O Lord. I pray, Heavenly Father, God, that you shall minister to, to them in your own special way and open their eyes that they may see, open their ears that they may hear, open their hearts that they may understand, O Lord, what your words have to say to them today, I pray in the name of Jesus. O Lord God, you are an awesome God, you are a wonderful God. And we stand by and just waiting for you to anoint us in your own special way. Touch us and speak to us. Heavenly Father, God, I give this time and this space entirely over to you, O Lord. Take it where you will for your honor and glory and praise. We thank you, Lord God. We magnify thy name in the matchless name of Jesus. Amen. Amen and amen. Praise God. Praise God. This is Resurrection Sunday and it's the most important day on the Christian calendar. And while many times we focus on the, cruc the crucifixion and resurrection uh, during this time of year, uh, I want us to also to ponder and think about what happened after the resurrection and what it means to us today. You see, almost any child can tell you about Easter or Resurrection Sunday and what happened. However, many people, you know, including Christians, cannot really give you a heartfelt, deep understanding of what Jesus really did and how his actions, how the cross and how it impacts our lives in this day and age. You know, many people can talk about Easter. You know, oh, yeah, that's when Jesus died and was resurrected in three days and so forth. But but really, why did it happen? You know, what was the reason? What was God's plan for having all of this play out? And then today I want to focus on what happened after the resurrection. Okay. So in addition, so in addition to understanding the events of Jesus' path to the cross and resurrection, last week we talked about uh, Palm Sunday and how he made that triumphant, victorious entry into Jerusalem and how he went on and overturned the money changes in, in the, in the uh, temple and so on, and how he ministered, was ministering to the scribes and, and Sarah, uh, Sadducees and Pharisees. Okay, we know that process and, and getting to the cross. So we're going to talk a bit about the, the crucifixion, but I really want to get on to the post-resurrection events and its implications to your life and the world's life to, and, 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 and the world's life today for that matter. You see, God went through this plan and everything for a reason. Okay? It just wasn't by fiat that he decided, oh, I'll just send my son and die for man and take upon the sins, you know, and then that'll be it. That'll be a done deal. No, no, no. God had a long-term plan here for us and for this world, for this entire planet. 
So what were those post-resurrection events? That's what we want to look at today. But we will start with looking at the crucifixion events. And so with that, going to the word of, God, word of God, let's start with Matthew 27. Okay. And if you don't have, uh, have your Bible, uh, as I said last week, the best way to benefit from these services is to uh, bring your Bible with you and read along with us and, and underline things in scriptures as Holy Spirit so, uh, so prompts. Okay, and if you don't have, put the, uh, hit the pause button if you're playing this podcast back, hit the pause button and run and get your Bible and come back and join us. Praise the living God. But Matthew 27, and we're going to start with verse number 27. Now, I'm not going to go into all of the events getting there after his arrest and so on like that. I want to try to encapsulate it a little bit, just hit on the very salient points. Matter of fact, we go with 26. Remember I said last week that the Jews, uh, Pilate put before the Jews a choice because it was that time of year that they could um, free a prisoner. And so Pilate put before them Jesus or Barabbas. And so it says in verse number 26, then released he, he being Pilate, then released he Barabbas unto them. And when he had scourged Jesus, he delivered him to be crucified. All right. Then in 27, then the uh, soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the common hall and gathered unto him the whole band of soldiers. And they stripped him and put on him a scarlet robe. And when they had plaited a crown of thorns, they put it upon his head and a reed in his right hand. And they bowed the knee before him and mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. And they spit upon him and took the reed and smote him on the head. And after that they had mocked him. They took the robe off from him and put his own raiment on him and led him away to crucify him. And as they came out, they found a man of Cyrene, Simon by name. Him they compelled to bear the cross. And when they were come uh, into a place called Golgotha, that is to say a place of the skull, they gave him vinegar to drink, mingled with gall, and when he had tasted thereof, he would not drink. Okay? And then continuing on here, it says uh, in verse 35, And they crucified him, and parted his garments, casting lots, and that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet. They parted my garments among them, and upon my vesture did they cast lots. And sitting down, they watched there, and set up over his head, his accusation written, This is Jesus, the King of Jews. Then were there two thieves crucified with him, one on the right hand and the another on the left. And they that paused by reviled him, wagging their heads and saying, Thou that destroyest the temple and buildest it in three days, save thyself. If thou be the Son of God, come down from the cross. You see here they're still, they're still showing, uh, showing, showing doubt there. If thou be the Son of God, come down from the cross. Likewise also the chief priests mocking him with the scribes and elders saying, He saved others, himself he cannot save. If he be the king of Israel, let him come down from the cross and we will believe him. You see there, there's always a criteria there, a caveat. If he's the king of Israel, let him come down, then we will believe him. He trusted in God, let him deliver him now, if he will have him, for he said, I am the Son of God. The thieves also which were crucified with him cast the same in his teeth. Now from the sixth hour there was darkness over all the land unto the ninth hour. And about the ninth hour Jesus cried with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. That is to say, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? All right. 
So this was a point of much suffering for him. Matter of fact, he was mouthing the words that were, are written in Psalm 22, verse number 1 there. At this point in time, he was feeling that he was feeling extremely lonely. God, at this point in time, if you will, turned his back on him because God said he cannot look upon sin. And the sin of mankind was being poured out upon him. And so here, God the Father, the same Father that he had been with since, since uh, forever, you know, what is it, John 1, 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Jesus was always with the Father. But at this particular point in time, he was feeling the solitude, the loneliness of his Father, not looking in his direction, not being there with him. These are the same words that he mouthed, written back in Psalm 22, when the, when the uh, Psalms were written, you see. And then we see in verse number 47, some of them that stood there, understood there when they heard that said this man called for Elias and straightway one of them ran and took a sponge and filled it with vinegar and put it on a reed and gave it him to drink the rest said let be let us see whether Elias will come to save him Jesus when he had cried again with a loud voice yielded up the ghost underline yielded up the ghost yielded up the ghost okay Jesus gave up the ghost by his own free will. He yielded up the ghost. All right. Now we see I want to flip over here and go or put a bookmark in Matthew 27. And let's go to uh, John 19. Go to John 19. Thank you, Jesus. He willingly gave up the ghost. John 19 and verse number 28 Thank you, Lord. Okay. Verse 28 starts with, After this, Jesus knowing that all things were now accomplished, underline, Jesus knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, underline, that the scripture might be fulfilled, saith, I thirst. Now there was set a full ve- uh, a vessel full of vinegar, and they filled a sponge with vinegar and put it down, uh, put it upon hyssop and put it into his mouth. When Jesus therefore had received the vinegar, he said, "It is finished." Underline, please. It is finished, and he bowed his head and gave up the ghost. Okay, so this is just another account in John here that describes that particular moment. All right, Jesus said that it is finished, knowing that all of the things were accomplished. Amen. And what were those things that were accomplished? What were those things that that uh, was accomplished? If you go to John 19 uh, again, let me see, and read 16 to 30, you see, and it says that it is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up the ghost. So Jesus had a charge. Jesus had a purpose for being here um, on this earth. God, the father had put together a plan. And by this plan, what he was doing, Jesus was through his ministry, was carrying out God's work. Jesus had a, had a mission. Now, if you go to John 4, you go to John 4, you see where Jesus talks about his mission, if you will. John number 4, John chapter 4. Thank you, Jesus. 4 verse 34. Matter of fact, we can start with verse 32. John 4, verse 32. But he said unto them, I have meat to eat 
that you know not of. Therefore said the disciples one to another, Has any man brought him meat to eat? Has any man brought him aught to eat? Jesus saith unto them, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me, and to finish his work. So underline there, please, my meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. You see, so Jesus was here to do God's work. He said the will of him that sent me to do God's will and to finish the work. So when he cried back in Matthew, then when he cried, it is finished. What Jesus was saying was that the work that the father sent me to do mission accomplished. It is finished. I mean, this is final. Okay. Now, also realize that the work that Jesus did and when he when he gave up the ghost like that and when he said it is finished, that is once and for all. Jesus does not have to go to the cross again. Amen. Jesus does not have to cross it. The, the, the sins of mankind that were taken upon his back, ultimately, which was his work, which was his goal. Okay. Teaching the ministry that was all a part of the plan to get to where he had to be. But to get to that cross and to take upon our our sins, your sins, my sins. Okay, that was the ultimate goal. It is finished. The work was done. This does not have to be done by Jesus again. Amen. Amen. It's it's once and for all. Okay. He was the final sacrifice. You see. And it's interesting in getting into the the parallel between this and Passover. And this is, I would really, that would be a whole separate sermon. But but, uh, um, Jesus as the final uh, sacrificial lamb, the final Passover, the final lamb here for sacrifice means that 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 we don't have to have a another high priest, a man go into the Holy of Holies once a year. To plead our case, if you will, before God. Jesus was the final sacrifice. We don't have to sacrifice any other lambs, you know, yearly. We don't have to do any other kind of rituals or anything else like that. This was the final sacrifice. Jesus did his work and it was completed. It is done once and for all. And he willingly gave up the ghost. No man could take his life. You know, at different points along that path there when the soldiers arrested him and when he was being um, tortured and so on like that, there were times when he said that, you know, I could call down, I could uh, pray to my father and he would send a legion of angels to come down, you know, to defend me and so on like that. Every step of the way, Jesus was simply being obedient to God the Father to carry out the work that he wanted to have done. Okay, and then we see in Luke 23, let's go back to Luke real quick here, Uh, Luke 23, Luke 23, 44, we see see another view of this event here, and it says, uh, uh, 23, Luke 23, and go to verse 44, and it was about the sixth hour, and there was darkness over all the earth until the ninth hour, and the sun was darkened, and the veil of the temple was rent in two, was torn in two, rent in the midst, okay? Again, this was signifying now that, you know, there was the veil that hung between the the, uh, uh, the inner court and the Holy of Holies there. You know, the temple was in three parts, the outer court, the inner court, and then it was the Holy of Holies. And that heavy curtain, that heavy veil stood between the, the uh, inner court and the Holy of Holies, and no man could go in there but the high priest once a year. Once a year, okay? So that veil was ripped in two, ripped in two, signifying now that we had access directly to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. 
We don't need another man to go in there to plead our case. Amen. Amen. So it says there, uh, and it was about the sixth hour, verse 44 again, and there was darkness over all the earth until the ninth hour, and the sun was darkened, and the veil of the temple was rent in the midst. And when Jesus had cried with a loud voice, he said, Father, into my hands, into, into thy hands, sorry, Father, into thy hands, I commend my spirit. And having said thus, he gave up the ghost. Okay? So again, we see there that Jesus willingly gave up the ghost. No man could take his life. None, none whatsoever. Alright? And so then we go to Matthew 27. And again, looking at the key points of the crucifixion here. The salient points. 27 and go to verse number 51. And again, it picks up with, And behold, the veil of the temple was rent in twain from the top to the bottom, and the earth did quake, and the rocks rent, and the graves were opened, and many bodies of the saints which slept arose, and came out of the graves after his resurrection, and went into the holy city, and appeared unto many. Now when the centurion and they that were with him, watching Jesus, saw the earthquake, and those things that were done, they feared greatly, saying, Truly, this was the Son of God. And many women were there, beholding afar off, which followed Jesus from Galilee, ministering unto him, among which was Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James and Joseph, and the, and the mother of Zebedee's children. All right. So we see there, he, Jesus said again, I commend my spirit, and he's gone, and the veil of the temple was torn in two, and now we're seeing things continue to unfold. Now we continue on. Here, I want to jump down to verse number 62. Now, the next day that followed the day of the preparation, the chief priests and Pharisees came together unto Pilate, saying, Sir, we remember that that deceiver said, while he was yet alive, after three days I will rise again. Command, therefore, that the sepulcher be made sure until the third day, unless his disciples come by night. And steal him away and say unto the people, he is risen from the dead. So the last error shall be worse than the first. There is so much deception going on with these people. It isn't funny. Here again now we see that they are continually plotting. All right. Now they know what Jesus has said that he was going to rise on the third day. So these Pharisees and these chief priests, they go, they go to Pilate and they start saying, you know something? You, you know, we want to make sure that that, 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 that tomb, you know, is really buttoned down tight. Okay, until this third day, you know, because we don't want his disciples. Okay, his disciples may come by night and may steal him away. And then those very disciples will go back and say to the people, he is risen from the dead. So the last error shall be worse than the first. In other words, we'll be in a worse position then, uh, you know, than we were before. Amen. Amen. So you see, so again, they're constantly plotting, plotting. They know that something is going on here, but they so they are so afraid of being made to quote unquote look bad, if you will, because because they know that that Jesus said that he was going to rise. They want to make this whole thing a mockery. Verse 65, Pilate said unto them, you have a watch, go your way, make it sure as you can. And so they went and made the sepulchre sure, sealing the stone and setting a watch. All right. So they went on and they, they, they got some soldiers and sealed the stone there and put these soldiers in place. All right. The story continues on. In the end of the Sabbath, as it began to dawn towards the first day of the week, came Mary Magdalene and the other Mary to see the sepulcher. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat upon it. Can you just picture that? Angel came down from heaven and rolled back the stone and sat upon it. 
Verse 3. His countenance was like lightning and his raiment white as snow. And for fear of him, the keepers did shake and became as dead men. And the angel answered and said unto the women, Fear not ye, underline, fear not ye, for I know that you seek Jesus, which was crucified. Verse 6. Famous, love these words. He is not here, for he is risen. He is not here, for he is risen. Hallelujah, glorious words. He is not here, for he is risen. Underline that, please. As he said, come, see the place where the Lord lay. And go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And behold, he goes before you into Galilee. There you shall see him. Lo, I have told you. And they departed quickly from the sepulchre with fear and great joy and did run to bring his disciples word. And as they went to tell his disciples, behold, Jesus met them, saying, All hail. And they came and held him by the feet and worshipped him. And then Jesus said unto them, Be not, be not afraid. Go tell my brethren that they go into Galilee and there they shall see me. So he gave them some instructions. Go tell the brethren, go to Galilee, and there they'll see me. Verse 11. Now when they were going, behold, some of the watch came unto the city and showed unto the chief priests all the things that were done. And when they were assembled with the elders and had taken counsel, they gave large money unto the soldiers, saying, Say ye, his disciples came by night and stole him away while you slept. And if this come to the governor's ears, we will persuade him and secure you. So they're saying again, to, again, to perpetuate the lie. This is what we're going to do. We're going to pay you off. We're going to give you some money. All right. And if anybody asks you, if the governor asks you, you know, what happened? You say that Jesus disciples came. It's like we thought. And they stole his body away while everybody slept. This is what they want the soldiers to say. And then they say that if the governor, if it gets to the governor, don't worry, we have your back. You know, if this comes to the governor's ears, verse 14, we will persuade him and secure you. So we will protect you. Verse 15 says, so they took the money and did as they were taught. And this saying is commonly reported among the Jews unto this day. Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee, into a mountain where Jesus had appointed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted. Underline, but some doubted. Here they are again. Verse number 11 says, then the eleven disciples... These are the 11 disciples who are with Jesus, all right? All right? And they, when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Some doubted. You know, people today still doubt Jesus. We as children of God, we as Christians, you know, we need to ask ourselves, you know, do I doubt Jesus? Do you doubt Jesus? Okay? Now, granted, the disciples saw with their, their, their eyes more things than we did. But we have the written word of God. Jesus talks so much about faith. Amen. So do we believe the word of God, what Jesus said, written in the word of God? And how much do we have faith and trust in him? And, and, and do, you, do you doubt what Jesus is saying? Okay. You know, you know, while we may not have seen, physically seen Jesus the way, the way they, they did, but you know, what faith is all about is trusting in what Jesus said and the fact that he is indeed real. Jesus is not dead. He is not dead, not at all, not by a long shot. Amen? Amen? But how much do we as Christians still doubt him? How much do we doubt him today with what's going on in the world, what's going on in our worlds? Amen? Amen? 
and some doubt it, but some doubt it. Verse 18 says, And Jesus came and spoke unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and earth. Please underline, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. It doesn't say some, it says all, so double underline the word all. It doesn't say some, it says all. All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. That means that Jesus has all power. He has all power over your finances. Jesus has all power over your health. He has all power over this coronavirus. Jesus has all power over everything that is in existence. So why do we worry? Okay? On this Resurrection Sunday, when we're thinking about Jesus' death and crucifixion and resurrection and Jesus' parting words, why is it that we get so concerned about day-to-day events? You know, can we think about these things while we, when we get up tomorrow and start our day on Monday morning, or for that matter, through the balance of the day? You know, I, or, you know this is Saturday and I'm saying tomorrow morning being Monday because I'm thinking about, you know, the next day. But uh, uh, Sunday, when you're hearing this and you get up on Monday morning, um, gee whiz, you know, do, do, do you remember or can you remember the events of the crucifixion and resurrection? And remember what Jesus said even back then, because um, uh, 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 th- this was a turning point in history for mankind. His death and resurrection was a turning point. In history, for all of mankind, that means all of, for, for you. Amen? Amen? So all power, it says, there is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go you therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. Observe all things which I have commanded you. How many of us actually observe all things that Jesus has commanded us? And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. So Jesus parting words to them at this particular time here, he was saying to them that I am with you until the end of the world. So that means that Jesus is with you right now because the world obviously has not ended. Amen. But how many of us really understand that and more importantly believe it deep in our spirits on this Resurrection Sunday, you know, or any other day of the week, any other day of our lives, you know. A clear understanding of the events following Jesus' resurrection can really make you understand that what Jesus did was not just a myth or a fable and that your salvation is very, 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 very real. Amen. This isn't just a cute Easter story. This isn't something that you find on the bookshelf, you know, in, in a book in the bookshelf, just as something to be, to be read to your children. I mean, it's great for you to read them to your children. But as your children grow, how are we teaching them that this is not just another, another, another story? It isn't just a myth. It isn't a cute tale. It's very, very real. And we especially need to make sure our children understand that because this can impact their lives, you know. You know, how 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 well rooted in life and how well grounded in life our children are, which are small today, how well grounded they are in life as they grow up depends on what we make sure they understand today. So while we are teaching the Easter story, the resurrection story to our children, you know, depending on their ages and so on, but how you teach it, we should we should get them to really, really understand that this is a truth. Okay, this is this is not a myth. Their salvation is very, very real. Make no mistake that this salvation is real. As much as we don't like to think about it, anyone who has not accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior runs the risk of spending eternity separated from God. 
We all have families and friends and those that we love and so forth, and we don't maybe like to think about it, okay? We wish that we could, you know, get those that we know that don't know the Lord yet to come to the Lord, okay? But realize, though, that salvation is very, very real. Every single soul on this planet, every single soul that has been on this planet, shall spend eternity in one of two places. Amen? That's, that's a reality. Okay, so understanding what happened on Resurrection Sunday is very, very important. Understanding and believing what happened on Resurrection Sunday is very important to us as children of God and, and even those that don't yet know Jesus. Every one of us, as I said, will spend eternity in one of two places. Either it shall be hell or it shall be in heaven with the Lord. What Jesus did on the cross made it possible to have forgiveness of our sins. Jesus paid the price for us and he opened the way for us. To God the Father. Now before we actually get to the resurrection events. Or the post resurrection events. I do want to start. We went through the significant events of the, of the crucifixion. So that we could get that well grounded and under our belts and so forth. So now we want to look at the post resurrection events. So we go to Luke. Luke 24. Luke 24. We're going to look at some of the events, the events of that day. Amen. Luke 24, starting with verse number one. Now, upon the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they came unto the sepulcher, bringing the spices which they had prepared and certain others with them. And they found the stone rolled away from the sepulcher and they entered in and found not the body of the Lord Jesus. And it came to pass, as they were much perplexed thereabout, behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. And as they were afraid and bowed down their faces to the earth, they said unto them, Why seek you the living among the dead? Why seek you the living among the dead? He is not here, but he is risen. Again, on the line. He is not here, but he is risen. Remember how he spoke unto you when he was yet in Galilee saying, The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and the third day rise again. Underline all of that, please. The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and the third day rise again. And they remembered his words and returned from the sepulcher and, to, and told all these things unto the eleven and to all the rest. It was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary, the mother of James, and other, other women that were with them, which told these things unto the apostles. And their words seemed to them as idle tales, and they believed them not. Underline, please. Their words seemed to them as idle tales, and they believed them not. Now, who did they, who did they say that she went to talk to? Went to the apostles. The apostles told these things to the apostles. But it seemed like they were telling idle tales. The women were telling idle tales, and they didn't believe them. Again, this unbelief. They were with Jesus all of the time of his ministry. Jesus told them what was going to happen, how he was going to raise, to rise on the third day. The women are telling them first-hand information, but yet still they believe not. Doubt, doubt, doubt how that can really destroy all of us, even us today when we doubt. Verse 12, then arose Peter and ran into the sepulcher and stooping down, he beheld the linen clothes laid by themselves and departed, wondering in himself at which was come to pass. So now he walks away and he's kind of like scratching his head. Hmm, what's going on here? Verse 13. And behold, two of them went that same day to a village called Emmaus, 
which was from Jerusalem, about three score furlongs. Okay, and so that same day now, in, it went to Emos, all right, and that's about seven and a half miles away if you do the math. Three score furlongs, about seven and a half miles. And they talked together of all these things which had happened. And it came to pass that while they communed together and reasoned, so they were talking and discussing and thinking about things that happened, Jesus drew near and went with them. Okay, seven and a half miles away now, they're walking and Jesus comes and joins them. But their eyes were holding that they should not know him. So their eyes were closed. They did not recognize Jesus. Even though Jesus showed up and was walking next to them, they didn't recognize him. They didn't know who he was. And he said unto them, Jesus, he said unto them, what manner of communications are these that you have one to another as you walk and are sad? In other words, what are you talking about here, you guys? You seem so sad. And the one of them, whose name was Cleopas, answering, said unto him, Art thou only a stranger in Jerusalem, and hast not known the things which are come to pass there in these days? They're kind of like kind of incredulously asking, what are you, a stranger? You don't know what's been going on there in these past days? Verse 19, he said unto them, what things? And they said unto him, concerning Jesus of Nazareth, which was a prophet, mighty indeed, and word before God and all the people. And how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death. And have crucified him. But we trusted that it had been he which should have redeemed Israel. In other words, we trusted and we believed that Jesus was going to deliver, redeem Israel. And beside all this, today is the third day since these things were done. All right. So here they're wondering amongst themselves. In other words, what they're saying is this Jesus told us that he was going to be the one to redeem Israel. You know, and we trusted that we believed it. But here we're at the third day when these things should have been done. All right. Yea, and certain women also of our company made us astonished, which were already at the sepulcher. And when they found not his body, they came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels, which said that he was alive. And certain of them which were uh, were with us went to the sepulchre and found it even so as the women had said, but they saw him not. Then he said unto them, O fools, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Underline, please, slow of heart to believe. And he's saying slow of heart to believe because they were there, the women, they were there. Jesus told them what was going to happen, what was going to happen. He was going to be raised on the third day. The women that were there took him and showed them. Yes, they're still wondering what's going on. They still have not conclusively said in their hearts, our Lord and Savior has risen from the dead. They still have not said that yet in their hearts. And so they're still pondering and wondering. And, and like Jesus said, that you, you are slow of heart to believe. Okay? Verse 26 says, Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. And they drew nigh unto the village, whither they went. And he made as though he would have gone further. But they constrained him, saying, Abide with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is far spent. And he went in to tarry with them. And it came to pass, as he sat at meat with them, as he was eating with them, he took bread and blessed it and brake it, and gave to them. And their eyes were opened. Underline, please. And their eyes were opened and they knew him and he vanished out of their sight. So that point in time, after he blessed the food and, and gave it to them, then Jesus let them see and understand who he was. But then he vanished. 
Okay, then he vanished. All right. You see, you see, but the same way they were doubting what was going on and pondering and questioning what was being told to them. This is what we still do today also in our lives. We ponder and we question. We get we get overwhelming evidence of what the what the truth is of what the word of God says. And we still we wonder and we ponder. And many times it's because our, our eyes are closed. You see, you know, our eyes are spiritually closed. But it says in 31, their eyes were open and they knew him and he vanished out of their sight. Now, the interesting thing in verse 32, it then goes on to say, and they said one to another, did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us, by the way, and while he opened us to us the scriptures? And they rose up the same hour and returned to Jerusalem and found the eleven gathered together and them that were with him. And what they're saying in 32 there, they said to one another, did not our heart burn, burn within us? In other words, while he was talking to them, their spirit was, was resonating the things that Jesus was saying to him, okay, saying to them. What Jesus was talking about was resonating. It, it really made them feel and understand where he was coming from. And it said that, that he was talking about the things about Moses and the prophets and everything else. It says in 27, And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. And when he was talking about those things, it says there in 32, they said, Did not our heart burn within us? Within us? So that means that it witnessed to them, it ministered to them. All right, And we do that so many times too. We hear the word of God, we, we read the written word of God, and, and, and it burns within us, it, it ministers to us, but then what do we do with that word afterwards? You know, do we believe what it is that we, that we read? It goes on to say in verse 33, and they rose up the same hour and returned to Jerusalem and found the eleven gathered together and them that were with them, saying, the Lord is, re- is risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. And they told what things were done in the way and how he was known of them in breaking of bread. All right. So all of these things are happening now. Jesus shows up. They don't know who he is. He sits down and eats with them. Then Jesus opens their eyes and then they see Jesus minister to them, talking about Moses and the prophets and so on. And so they're seeing all of this evidence. And then they arrive here and, and they are telling the rest of them what, what had happened. OK. And it, telling them what had happened. And then, and it said, and how he was known of them in breaking in the breaking of bread. And then in verse 36, look what happens. And as they thus spake, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and saith unto them, peace be unto you. As they were talking, Jesus showed up in the midst of them and said, peace be unto you. But they were terrified and affrightened and affrighted and supposed that they had seen the spirit. Here they go again, again, like when Jesus was walking on water. They don't know their master. They called him the master. They don't know their master. Okay, when, when Jesus came walking in the water, on the water, remember they said, gee whiz, is it a spirit? Is it a ghost? They were frightened. They were frightened. Now here Jesus shows up, you know, amongst them and, and, and they thought they had seen a spirit. And he said unto them, why are you troubled? And why do thoughts arise in your hearts? Behold my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Handle me and see, for a spirit has not flesh and bones as as you see me have. Now please underline that. A spirit has not flesh and bones as you see me have. Okay? Now here we see something really miraculous going on. Okay? Here Jesus here now is resurrected and he is not a spirit. He is not a ghost. He has flesh and blood in and he is tangible. He's a three-dimensional being, a being that you can actually touch and hold. Okay? Verse 40. And when he had thus spoken, he showed him his hands and his feet. 
And while they yet believed not, please in the line, while they yet believed not for joy and wondered, he said unto them, have you here, excuse me, have you here any meat? In other words, you have anything to eat? Have you here any meat? And they gave him a piece of broiled fish and, of a, and a honeycomb. And he took it and did eat it before them. Underline the word eat. He took it and did eat before them. So here we see again, Jesus is a three-dimensional physical being that you can touch and hold. And he was also showing signs of hunger because he ate. He was able to eat. So this he, Jesus is not a spirit being. He is a being that has very, very tangible physical uh, attributes. Verse 44. And he said unto them, These are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled. Here he is again talking about, please underline, that all things must be fulfilled. Here he is again saying, the work. where He said, it is finished. Jesus, God had a plan. God the Father had a plan. Jesus had a mission, so to speak. Jesus carried out that mission. There were things he had to say, things that he had to do. And now the work that he done, that he had done was complete. And he says here that all these, all things must be fulfilled, which were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. So everything that you read in Jesus before New Testament that is referring to Jesus, all of the prophecies, all of the book of Psalms, so many things, Isaiah and, and all of them that, that talked about Messiah coming, Jesus and did do what exactly the Father said he was going to do through written prophecy in the, in the, uh, in the old, older scriptures. Amen? Amen? So we see it. Jesus is saying that these things had to be done, that prophecy could be fulfilled. Amen? Then opened he their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. Okay? And again, this was some, all of this time, all that they saw, all that they read. Okay? Many of these, these men read the book of Isaiah. Jesus stood up in the temples there and he said that he read from the book of Isaiah. Amen? So they were familiar with the law of Moses. All right? Jesus himself told them through through, through countless uh, um, uh, uh, parables and other themes and stories uh, what his mission was all about. But yet so they were still having trouble understanding and still suffering with doubt. 45 says, however, they uh, then opened he their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. 46, and said unto them, thus it is written, and thus it behoved Christ to suffer. And to rise from the dead the third day. And that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations beginning at Jerusalem. Okay? So underline there where it says, thus it is written and thus it behoved Christ to suffer. Jesus had to go through the sufferings that he did. He had to go through the beatings. He had to go through the pain of the cross. And then he had to rise from the dead the third day. Again, this was written in prophecy that he had to do these things. Okay? You can find it in Old Testament. And that's a whole sermon on how these things match. So I won't go back there right now. It's a whole sermon in itself. But it says in 47 again, and that, and that repentance and remission of sins, remission of sins for you, for me, for all of mankind should be preached in his name among all nations beginning at Jerusalem. Okay, so this all started with for the, for the Jewish people. It started in Jerusalem. And you are witnesses of these things. Wow. Wow. And you are witnesses of these things. Underline, please. And you are witnesses of these things. Okay? 49 goes on to say there, it says, and behold, I send the promise of my father. Now listen to this. I send the promise of my Father upon you. 
but tarry you in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. Now, he's given them very specific instructions here now. Okay, now again, going back to 46 here, it says, Thus it is written, and thus it behoves Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead on the third day, and that repentance and remission of sin should be preached in his name among all nations beginning at Jerusalem and your witnesses. And then he says, Go, behold, I send the promise of my Father to you. Okay, Jesus is saying, I'm sending the promise of my Father to you, but tarry you in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. At this point, I don't think they quite knew exactly what he was saying, what he was referring to here. He says, behold, I send the promise of my Father. What is that promise? Okay, okay. I send the promise of my Father to you. Tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. Okay, so he's saying that he's saying that, that that my father made a promise. Okay, so he's telling them what to do to benefit from that promise. Verse number fifty says, "But he uh, and he led them out as far as to Bethany. He lifted up his hands and blessed them. And it came to pass while he blessed them, he was parted from them and carried up into heaven. And they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple praising and blessing God." Praising and blessing God. Okay. So now they talked about, he's, he's talking about this promise of the Father. And he says, where you will be endued with power from one eye. Okay. And it started with Jerusalem. It started with Jerusalem, there in Jerusalem. Then we see how it, how it follows on from there. We go to the book of Acts. And you probably, those of you students of the Bible, you probably know where I'm going with this. Okay. Okay. He said, Jesus told him what to do. Okay, say so Terry. So then we see in the first uh, chapter, book of Acts, verse number one. The former treatise, treatise I, have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach, until the day in which he was taken up. After that, he, through the Holy Ghost, had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom also he showed himself alive after his passion. By many infallible proofs being seen of them, seen of them forty days and speaking of the things pertaining to the king of God. Okay, so underline that please. To whom also he showed himself alive after his passion, meaning after the cross, after his resurrection, showed himself alive by many infallible proofs. In other words, this is not a myth, folks. This is not a mix, a myth, children of God. This actually happened. He was seen by many, many people after he died on the cross, was closed up in that tomb. After he was resurrected, he was seen by many people. All right. So this isn't some little story, some little dream that someone just sat in the corner someplace and made up. He was seen pertaining to the uh, speaking of the things uh, pertaining to the kingdom of God. And verse number four says, and being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem. Commanded that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which, saith he, you have heard of me. All right, underline, please. Wait for the promise of the Father, which, saith he, you have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost, not many days hence. When they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the, uh, again the kingdom to Israel? And he said unto them, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons 
which the Father hath put in his own power. Please highlight on the line that whole scripture, that whole verse, number seven. It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put in his own power. Okay? So if you hear anybody talking about you know when these things about God, when Jesus is going to restore uh, again the kingdom of Israel, end of the world, Jesus' second coming. And so if you hear any man saying that, oh, I know when, I know when it's going to happen, or the Holy Spirit showed me, or so-and-so, so-and-so, okay, Jesus is saying it is not for you to know the times or the seasons which my Father has put in his own power. The only one that knows is God the Father himself, okay? He's the only one that knows. You know, and we know that over the years and even within our lifetimes, there have been people that have supposedly prophesied that the world was going to come on such and such a date. You know, I could go through a list of the people in recent, very recent times. Uh, they, they actually gave specific dates that Jesus was going to return and, and people gave up their life savings and, and some, you know, drank poisons and, and saying that they were going to be taken away with Jesus through a, a comet or, you know, through flying sauce or some nonsense like that. There have been so many so-called prophecies, but Jesus said here, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put in his own, in his own power. Verse number eight, but you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea, and in Samaria, and unto the uttermost part of the earth. So underline, please, please, in verse number 8, you shall receive power. You shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and all Judea, in Samaria, and to the uttermost part of the earth. Verse 9, and when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up. And the cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly towards heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand you gazing up into heaven? The same Jesus, which is taken up from heaven, from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as you have seen him go into heaven. All right, let's read that again, which also said, you men of Galilee, why stand you gazing up into heaven? The same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as you have seen him go into heaven. Amen. Jesus will return. Are you ready? Make no doubt about it. Are you ready? Okay, he's going to come again. And you don't know when. Only God knows when. But here he's talking about in um, verse number eight again. You shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. All right. So then from there, we go to chapter two. Very familiar scriptures. Chapter two, verse number one. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. Now, this is 50 days later after the resurrection. Now, 50 days later, Pentecost, meaning 50. When the day of Pentecost was come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as fire. And, and, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. All right? So there you see, as Jesus prof, prof, uh, prophesied and promised, the Holy Spirit was coming, came was poured out upon them to give them power, to give them power from on high. This is the famous filling of the Holy Spirit. 
for power while we are on earth. Okay, so again, after you put the pieces together, you see that the whole story, God's plan, you know, starting with the birth of Jesus. Okay, starting with the birth of Jesus, on through his growing up, through his ministry, through his filling of the Holy Spirit with being baptized by John the Baptist, through his temptation by Satan in the, uh, in the desert there, in the wilderness, through his ministering and teaching, and through his triumphant arrival in Jerusalem, and through his further ministering and talking to the scribes and the Pharisees and, 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 the, and the Sadducees and, and so on like that, and telling them what... Um, uh, 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 what the word, what, what the gospel really is all about and how they were so hypocritical in what they were doing, how he spoke to the so-called ruling class of the, uh, the so-called ruling religious class of the day, really upsetting their apple carts. Jesus' whole, whole thing was to get to the cross. He had to go to the cross as was prophesied. He had to fulfill the work that God had planned and had prophesied in scripture. Okay, so Jesus then carried out that plan and it was all for one purpose. That was to redeem us, to redeem mankind, to save us, to make us so that God could take us back into his arms so that we could indeed have one day have have, have eternal life. God wanted to save us and his plan to do that was through Jesus Christ. Very methodical. Very methodical. And if you read scriptures and do cross-referencing back and forth between the books, between um, New Testament, Old Testament, and so forth, back and forth between the Gospels, you will see that it was very, very, uh, very, very elaborately planned. God is the master planner. So for us today, you, you know, you as a child of God, you receive Jesus Christ as, as your Lord and Savior and salvation. You were given the gift of the Holy Spirit. You have that, you have that power at your disposal. Holy Spirit is your comforter. He's called a paraclete from the Greek, parakletos or, or advisor. You know, he's, he's, your, he's your comforter in time of need when you're worried and, and, and feeling distressed about things. You have the power of Holy Spirit in you and with you. During this time of this virus that is out, there is no reason. Jesus went to, you think God did not know that at this point in time in 2019 slash 2020 that this virus was going to come about us, come upon us? You think God did not know that? Amen. Amen. So everything that God put in, in place through his his son, Jesus Christ, and, and, and through his teachings, if we read the word of God daily and avail us of what the word is, avail ourselves of what the word of God is saying, we will not have that fear. We will not be worried about about the economy and where things are going to head. We're not going to be worried for our families and when are things going to get back, quote unquote, on their feet. God is in charge. Jesus went to the cross for us. Jesus was resurrected for us. Jesus, remember there in scriptures too, we didn't touch on those scriptures today, but it said there in scriptures that he told the disciples at one point that he says, he says, I have to go. If I don't go, then the Holy Spirit can't come. You see? You see? The Holy Spirit could not come while Jesus was physically on this earth. He had to return to the Father. And then when he did, he gave instructions. He said, go to Jerusalem and tarry there because you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. All right. And then on top of that, you shall be witnesses back in verse eight. You shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. OK, so Jesus came for the Jew first. And then after that, the way was open for the Gentiles. Amen. And you and I, the Gentiles, being that we are not are not blood born of the Jews. Amen. 
Amen. So we see there that, that the Holy Spirit came. And then and then after after Pentecost, you know, like I said, uh, uh, so long uh, as long as the gospel was preached to Jews only, the Holy Spirit, by the way, was imparted to those who believed by the laying on of hands. And you know, you, you don't have to go there now, but in Acts 8, uh, 17 and in 9, chapter 9, 17. OK, you see that as long as the gospel was preached to the Jews only. Because right? remember, go to Jerusalem first, to the Jews first. The Holy Spirit was imparted to those that became believers. OK, those that, that came believers, it was imparted to them by the laying on of hands. All right. And then interesting, then later on, when Peter opened the door of the kingdom to the Gentiles, because remember it said there, it says uh, in verse number eight, um, you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. You shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. So therefore it meant that it would go beyond the Jews. All right. So then, then when Peter then opened the door of the kingdom to the Gentiles, you see that in Acts chapter 10. The Holy Spirit was given by faith to those who believed. Okay, so in other words, you can receive the Holy Spirit as a Gentile. You can receive the Holy Spirit, Spirit, Spirit. You don't have to wait for the laying on of hands. By you believing and accepting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're born again and you are made a new creation. Okay, then Holy Spirit is imparted to you simply through faith. Okay. We go to, to 1 Corinthians uh, one Corinthians 15 in closing here. Let's go to the first book of Corinthians. Praise the living God. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, what an awesome time. What an awesome time to be alive. I heard someone say, or someone had written me and was saying, you know, gee whiz, isn't this a... Isn't this a terrible time, you know, to, to be alive and with all that's going on? I said, no, not at all. Not is not a terrible time at all. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen. Amen. The same way God, God brought us through things of the past, God will bring us, bring us through things of today and will bring us through things of tomorrow. Amen. 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 God, our God is an awesome God. Uh, chapter 51, sorry, sorry, chapter 15, verse 51. He wasn't adding to the book of the Bible. You can't do that. Okay. Chapter 15, verse 51. The other thing as believers, what we should be listening, looking forward to. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not fall asleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye. At the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this incorruptible, uh, for this, I'm sorry, for this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. Let's read that again. In a moment, verse 52, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall put on immortality, then shall we, uh, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. 
O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Please highlight, underline, put a bracket, verse 57. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be you steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as so much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. So you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord, in the Lord. Okay. So you see here, this, these are the post resurrection. This is, this is what is real and what is happening after the resurrection. This is what is impacting our lives. And this is what we can benefit from by understanding the work that Jesus did. Jesus did the work that had to be done. It was the will of the Father that Jesus carry out exactly what he did. And when he said it is finished, means that his work was done. That's unchangeable, by the way. There's not one atheist or one agnostic or one person on this earth that can argue that fact. Jesus did his job. And because of that, because of that, 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 that we can be victorious in our lives. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be you steadfast, unmovable. You need to be steadfast. You need to be unmovable. When the things of life come against you, when the things of this age come against you, when the things of current events come against you, you need to be unshakable. You need to be unmovable. Okay, you need to be like a stone that is, is, is heavily planted into the ground. Steadfast. Not relenting in someone trying to convince you that what the word of God says is, is something other than what it says and what it means. You need to be strong. The Lord thy God is with you wherever you go. Be bold. Be of a good courage. Be strong. Joshua. In Joshua there. Okay. All of God's words. You know. You see. And if we can remain unshakable and unmovable in believing that the work that Jesus did is for us and that has made us victorious the same way he was victorious and knowing that that, that, that that you do not labor in vain you know your work in the Lord is not in vain um, you shall indeed prosper you live a wonderful relaxed life now today and tomorrow you know the things we just talked about this is the ultimate meaning and benefit that we have from the work of the cross you know, it is not about cute Easter baskets or new clothes for church, but that we now have eternal life and the ability of us to live a victorious life and overcoming life while we are still here. Later on, the scripture tells us about what our bodies will be like. These corruptible bodies or bodies that can die and so on like that will be incorruptible because they shall not die. Okay. Okay, the mortal, you know, that that dies will put on immortality. We shall be immortal. Amen. 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 I I imagine from what I read in Scripture that our bodies will be very similar to what Jesus Christ's body was like. While it was still solid, it was still able to pass through through solid matter because they were in a a, a locked room. If you read the other accounts in some of the other gospels there, you see that the disciples there, the group was in was in uh, behind locked doors. Okay, because they were afraid. And Jesus appeared. So therefore he was able to pass through walls. But yet still he said touch him. Touch him. They felt him. And he ate. Okay. So this is what we have to. Things that we have to look forward to. This is what. Is what resurrection Sunday Easter. Is really all about. Amen. 
Amen. So, you know, it's so fitting that today's world events are coinciding with the Easter slash Resurrection Sunday season. It's fitting. I really believe that God let America and the world experience a great shutdown so that America and the world will start to look up again. Okay. I believe God let things go the way that they're going or have gone. Is to grab our attention, to let us see that there was a work that my son did on the cross that set you free. But setting you free does not mean that you can just run rampant and do whatever it is that you want to do. That you want to do those things that are contrary to my word. We can live a victorious life, but it should be within the confounds, the confines, I should say, of God's, of God's law, of God's words. We cannot allow ourselves to run astray. But the world has done that. This country has done that. Maybe God brought this nation and the world to its knees so that we can learn to pray while we are on our knees. Everything is shut down. Okay. We find that we're working from home with telecommuting. While we are at home, did you ever stop to realize that now you do have more time to pray? Obviously, if you, you know, you're working from home, you have hours that your job has given you. So obviously you have to work during those hours. But still, though, you have time, though, to think about God after work or on your lunch hour while you're even at home. Amen. Maybe God brought this nation and the world to its knees so that we can learn to pray while we are on our knees. Jesus' death and victorious resurrection is the focus of this season. And I believe that there will be a resurrection for this country if. We are first willing to die to self. If we as a nation are to stop looking at the selfish ways that we have, if we as a nation start thinking about how we are rejecting God and think about how we can go back to receiving God again, how we as a nation, if we can crucify some of the ways and behaviors that are tearing this country apart, how are we treating one another? How are we neglecting? Or turning away from the word of God. How are we not believing that there is a God in some cases? We need to acknowledge God and Jesus for who they are. And always seek the face of the Holy Spirit for guidance. And turn to him for trust and guidance in living our lives. And where we should go in our lives. And what we should do in our lives. This is an opportunity to remember that God is in charge. I can't say that enough. Enough. This is an opportunity to remember that God is in charge. And he is waiting for us to come back to him. He's waiting. We've got this time that lies before us. But God is waiting. Praise God. Praise God. I pray that this message has been a blessing to you. And I pray that you take the balance of the day and the week ahead to think about the things that we've heard. To think about the things that we've read. For God is there waiting patiently for you. So praise God and be blessed in the matchless name of Jesus. Amen.